This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, it seems like somebody's got the clippers out for the Etihad turf because that must be the deciding factor in why Manchester City were able to score 16 goals across two games this week. A win against Liverpool and two thumping performances in the Cups. And everything's looking rosy again, isn't it? Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast where we'll be reviewing City's performances in both the FA Cup and League Cup as it looks like they've reached the next round in each of them. Even the most pessimistic fan couldn't see a 9-0 lead being overturned now, could we? Well, we'll see. Uh, But there are questions of respect. Did City go in too strongly in the opposition this week? And uh, could they have given more opportunities for youth team players? Or are they in a lose-lose situation on that front? We'll give our thoughts on all of that shortly. Also in today's show, we'll look ahead to the coming game with Wolves. Plus, we've got an in-depth look at Phil Foden's development at the Etihad. Don't forget to tweet us with your questions for Ask the Panel at Blue Moon Podcast, or you can email through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. I'm your host, Sam Roscoe, and this week I'm joined by former City striker Leon Mike and the Blue Moon Podcast, David Mooney. Fellas, thank you very much for coming in. It's... Uh, it feels like a really, really special show we're about to have because it's not every day you absolutely spank two teams, <laughs> it? let's face it. Um, let's get straight in, looking at Rotherham 7-0 and, and Burton Albion 9-0. Um, talking about taking the cup seriously, Guardiola sent a, a clearly sent a strong message, didn't he, naming the, the two starting 11s particularly strong on, on both fronts I mean what do you make of that for you is that a clear message and is it you know when you look at Liverpool against Wolves for mm. example do you think that was a little bit of a cheeky dig um, I think uh, Guardiola wants to win football matches <clears throat> and he chose the teams that he chose um, to win those football matches I believe um, and I've said this all season uh, I think I said this last time I was on the programme Liverpool are a good team they don't have anywhere near the strength and depth that, that City have. Um, and therefore, if they rotate, they're going to lose a lot of quality because, <clears throat> you know, there's a big difference between a, a Firmino and a Solanke mm. uh, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I think Pep Guardiola, um, you know, definitely picked his teams to win those games. I don't think we're quite at the stage yet, but in time, if City remain in these competitions, get to the, the latter stages, the, the talk of the quadruple will no doubt come. Do you think Pep Guardiola is is looking to that? Do you think he's I, comfortable I, with the thought of that? I don't think... He won't publicly say, oh yeah, we're going for all four, but there's absolutely no doubt he wants to win as much as he can. And it, tell me another club, certainly in England, there's no other club that's 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 got the potential to win all four at the same time as City. So... He he of course will go for it, and I think you look at like, like Leon said, you look at the, the the teams he named. He could have put out a team of youngsters against Burton Albion. He could have put in more youngsters against uh, against Rotherham. But you know, look at the number of changes he made. He made seven or eight changes for that Rotherham game. It wasn't uh, well, it wasn't just a, a name the full strength team. I, I also don't think City have a full strength team anymore. They've they've got that many options in different places. You full can't, strength squad. Yeah, it's a full strength squad, yeah. isn't it? So that there is that issue. But he. he he, he's named two strong teams, and it's a clear indication for me that he wants to go on and, and, and win everything he can. And you look at, at what he's done this week, 
that second leg against Burton Albion now it's you know it, it, it's a write off he doesn't he doesn't need to worry about it now it's, he can now now he can give the kids a go he can it, and say you know what this is a tough game down at Burton Albion's ground it's not the the you know all the niceties of being at home um, in front of your own people and at your own ground it's a way the change rooms will be smaller the pitch will be a little bit bumpier and the players will probably be a little nastier and get a bit closer so yeah. for the young ones definitely a good thing I think and then you, you've got all the you've got the added bonus that you know the likes of De Bruyne Silver and, and Aguero the, these types of players can will we'll get that midweek off mm. so yeah. a lot is made in football about a confident team momentum and then a lot is also made about giving players a rest, making sure players are, are fresh. Clearly, Pep Guardiola has, has now got a, a very confident squad, if it wasn't already after these two results. What do you think that does for the for the team? And how do you think that will... What or what do you think that will do for the, the league form, Leon? Um, it's only going to propel it forward. Um, winning breeds winning. Um, and I think that's, again, reiterating his... his, his um, his sides that he, he picked against the two teams, Rotherham and, and, and Burton, were to win the game. Um, we mentioned this the last time I was out again on this, David, is that we were on here talking about um, City having lost 1-0 to Chelsea or 2-0 to Chelsea, whatever it was, and everyone worrying. I'm like, are you serious? We've had four or five defeats in like 60, 70 games. Like, calm down, realise where you used to be for a start and now realise where you are. Um, and yeah, they had a couple of bad results, but that happens in a season. Liverpool, you've yet to have theirs. For me, for the league, I can't see past City this season. I know Liverpool are four points ahead at the minute and, and doing well. I just can't see them outlasting City and the rest of the season. And as I say, winning breeds winning. The more games you win, the better your momentum's going to be. And from a player's point of view as well, it, it surely means less training, more games. It does, it does. Um, for some people, that could be a bit of a, a frustration. Some people um, need to train more. Um, you know, your bigger built guys, your, your, your heavier set guys, they need to train a bit more than... Or they need to be playing every you know week in, week out, every three days. Um, and they might not have the... the um, capacity to do that within a, having a body like they do um, but for the players it's you know a fantastic opportunity to go and do something no one's ever done before City have never defended a trophy David there's a big chance now with that isn't there with the, the League Cup well Spurs will have a home game at Wembley in the final won't they so that'll be, the, that'll be a problem um, they've, n- they've, not got, they've not got a better chance now the, the funny thing is you talk of the quadruple I actually think the, 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 the trophy of the three of them that might be the hardest of them is, is actually now the Premier League because of I feel like Liverpool sent a message in their FA Cup tie of, of basically we're going for this Premier mm. League and, and we're you know sod the rest of it we, we, we want to win the title and what that what that'll do is their if their sole focus is the title, if they end up giving away a few silly goals in the Champions League in their in, you know in their tie and end up crashing out of the competition, you know they're out of the FA Cup, they're out of the League Cup. That that leaves them with just the the, the, the league to focus on. City with all their eggs in all the other baskets can go well. You know we can we've got to manage the season a bit better. Um, so I actually think I, I think that could be the I think that could be the stumbling block. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say City will go and win the Champions League. You don't know who you're going to get drawn against. You could you know get some tough draws there. Uh, the FA Cup they've got a big chance because some of the big boys have drawn each other. So there's there's going to be uh, teams going out there. They've got okay it's Premier League team in the next round, but they've got a good opportunity there. Uh, the Burton game, like we said, is you know, you know they've 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 got through that tie. So it's going to mm. be one of Chelsea or or, or, yeah. or Spurs in a in a one off game in the final. Mm. So. There's, there, there is a big opportunity now, and 
you know, if you if I was going to back City to win one competition this season and only one competition <coughs> at this stage, it'd have to be the League Cup because it's the one that the closest to winning. Yeah, um, just some stats about for stats for you about this week. It's the first time in more than thirty-one years that City have scored more than eight. <laughs> Nine nil is the uh, the largest margin of victory in an English Cup semi-final. Uh, could get bigger. Uh, interesting to note. Hopefully. Uh, Burton are falling up at half time make things interesting <laughs> make it interesting yeah. uh, and it's the first team uh, first time a team has scored more than seven in back to back games since Leeds in 1967 wow. so uh, although uh, I kind of want to say we, we, we feel rather blasé about the, the two results we've just had the, the significance of them when you look at those stats you know it, it's it's pretty incredible, isn't it? There's not many teams in that run that will have had back-to-back games against a championship side and a League One side. So mm. that it has to come with that caveat. But mm. even so, I mean, we've seen League One sides have not Premier League sides out of, yeah. out of competitions this season. Yeah, City got knocked out by Wigan last season. So it's it's as, as much as it comes with that caveat, it's still a great achievement. And also, when you look at it, 20 years ago this year, um, City were at the level. They were at yeah. the level that Rotherham and Burton are now. Mm. So if that doesn't talk to you about you know the, the progression the club has made, I don't know what will. Just on that point, looking at it in even in more short term, you look at that result against Wigan in the FA Cup. Do you think that might have influenced Pep Guardiola in these these past two matches? Do you think he'll have learnt a bit more about English football? Yeah, and... but he he played a strong team at Wigan last season. He wasn't like he put his reserves out and and got beaten he put his first team out and got beaten so I don't know sometimes in football listen some, you can be the most fantastic team sometimes on the day it just doesn't go for you um, that wasn't like Wigan battered City into submission and beat them soundly they had a shot and Wigan, scored Wigan yeah. hung on they hung on they got their goal and City peppered them um, that night so it was just a bad night um, I don't think you can compare it to the last couple of, couple of games that you've had Great to see Phil Foden um, doing well he's now got his first goals at the Etihad how much do you think uh, that will be a, a weight off his back? It's a massive weight I was I was actually a, a little disappointed actually I, I saw the goal sort of on the fly I was out and about doing some bits and someone said oh Phil Foden scored his goal so I, I got to watch it and thought Come on, celebrate better than that. <laughs> from down thought, the road. I thought you were going to talk about the finish. Though. I was going to say no, it was a go-to no, special. Listen, it doesn't matter. You come off your tooth, whatever, and go in. It doesn't matter. Um, but that's a, a local lad who's come right the way through the youth teams um, and the academy and the under-23s. He's your golden boy, you know. We talked about him scoring just, his first goal. He just didn't know what to do, did he? he no, no, it wasn't Phil himself. <laughs> it, was, it was that I expected... I don't know, it was, it was weird. I expected the Etihad to explode. That's one of ours. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't. Uh, neither was a, a classic finish, but he did show some composure, didn't he? The, the, the goal against Burton was much more composed than the one against Rotherham. <laughs> the, the, the Rotherham one, he, I think he scored by accident, didn't he? He controlled it There's and no it went su- in. No such thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he, like, the, they all count. They all count. They all count, you're right. Um, but the, the, the Burton one, I mean, I think it was Jesus had the first shot hit the keeper mm-hmm. and then he, Jesus swung his foot for the second shot and, and Foden just went, no, 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 it's yeah. mine and picked it up and rolled it in. Mm. He was on his strong foot and it was a you know a nice finish. It was an open goal, so he couldn't, he, yeah. he, you know... He, you would have, he would have laughed if he'd missed it. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, he was in the right place and he was, he was calm in the, as there was pandemonium going on around him. So, what more can you ask for? If we talk about confidence, um, nothing like goals gives you confidence, and that'll do him a world of good. He's got those goals now at home as well, so that monkey's off his back, and now he can concentrate on being the fantastic player he is. I'll tell you what he needs next. 
And because he scored against Oxford, scored against Rotherham, scored against Burton, he needs a goal against the Premier League side, and that that will be yeah. the one that'll just that'll set him off. Um, what do you make of how Guardiola has managed his development so far? I think he's been spot on. I think he's taken him out when he needs to. I think he's put him in when he needs to. I think he's protecting him, knowing how good a player he is. I mean, let's 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 no no let's not get it twisted. Phil Foden could be in probably 80% of the top sides in Europe at this minute in time. Um, as a first eleven starter, he's that good. And the fact that he'll... I mean, I watched him maybe three, two, three years ago for the England under-16s. And, you know, it's a group with the likes of Angel Gomez, Steven Sessegnon, um, those types of players, Jaden Sancho. Uh, obviously, Sancho having gone and doing what he's doing. In Germany, I think he might look at that and see Sancho getting in the England team, thinking that's where I want to be. I'm actually, I'm actually the best player in that group. Why am I not there? So it's it's for Pep to manage that, as well as protecting him because he's going mm. to want opportunities. You know, right now England are screaming out for a player like Phil Foden. We just can't pick him because he's not playing enough. Um, and I can't wait for the day, for the day that he does get picked for England because he, he he will go and show everyone what he's about. Well, fans are, are desperate to see more of him. Do you think that'll happen for the the rest of the season, David? I think he will. I think, like Leon said, I think the the management of him has actually been been quite good. There's the fans have been desperate to see him more often, and, and every week we say, well, why isn't Foden starting? Why isn't Foden starting? And actually, you know what? He's a teenager. He's still very slight in his frame. He's going to get knocked around a lot, and, he, and to be fair to him, he holds his own quite a lot in the in the games he's played. Mm. But you you have to be careful. You can't you can't overexpose him because at, at at any point, if his confidence gets knocked or if he gets a knock that you know that that, that causes him problems with uh, and then needing rehab, anything like that, it can have a detrimental effect down the line. And I think there's plenty of time for him. He's got you know he's just signed a six year deal. He obviously buys into what the club is is offering mm. to him. He's a City fan, so he, he doesn't need persuading that he, that he needs to stay sort of thing. He'll get his opportunities in the rest of the, in the rest of the campaign. And, you know, we've seen him come off the bench late on in, in Premier League games. He'll start to do that more often. And you know what? I don't put it past him getting a Premier League start at some point towards the end of this season. And I just think it's about managing the the time that he gets on the pitch rightly. And I think it's it's not overexposing him, but giving him enough to, to, to kind of go at. I actually think there's, there's going to be a moment coming for him, um, maybe coming off the bench where he comes of age. Um, he's just that type of player that you think there's going to be a clutch position in a match and he's going to be the player that the makes the difference. The one that changes it, yeah. The one that changes it. And, and, and sorry, to, on that point, on Foden, if you look at when Messi came into the Barcelona team uh, when Guardiola was there, he had Ronaldinho on the other side for a year. Mm. So they, he watched him, he, you know, he taught him a few, thing, um, a few things. He had him on the pitch and I think Foden now getting on the pitch with David Silva, Bernardo Silva, um, Mares. You know, those types of players he's going to draw experience from. It's going to be massive um, for his development going forward. If anybody knows how to to manage a, a natural talent, it, it's Pep Guardiola, Guardiola, isn't it? I mean, you look at the way he did with Messi. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Let's not let's uh, not build you know, Foden right, up too much no, here. No, no, but, no, but, no, but let's, let's get it straight. Um, if I'd have gone and managed Barcelona that season and had Leon Messi, Leon, Lionel Messi. Leon Messi. <laughs> Leon Messi. <laughs> Is that your nickname? Uh, yeah, dreaming there. Uh, um, no, honestly, you know, Lionel Messi was going to take care of himself. Um, but where it you know makes a difference in the manager is the exposure that they have to the outside things that are outside of the club. Mm. Um, you I know, think, I think as well. You, you know, you look at the 
the deal would have been playing on his mind for quite some time, folding you'd have thought, you know, and, and a six year contract's massive at this you know, at, at this level of the game. Six years is a is a big contract. It is, but you don't for such a young player you, as well. You, you don't you, honestly, as a young player, at seventeen people used to say, Oh, it's a short career and I think I'm seventeen years old. You're <laughs> condemning me already. What are you talking about? Um but it does, it flies so fast. I can still remember my first day pre season at sixteen years old at Man City in Aldringham wanted to spew everywhere because we were running so much <laughs> um so I, sp- I still remember that uh, you know as 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 clear as day uh, and it does it goes so fast um and for me for the earlier phil Foden gets more exposure now i think we know about everyone knows about him now there's no hiding it i think he needs games i think guardiola's got to find a way um to, to get to, to fit him in um you know coming off the bench like i say david silver's not going to last forever um, and he is his protege, so the time he's, he's nearing, I think definitely. I think as well, the fact that he has got this new deal six years suggests that there's still time, and he's he's going to be patient still with it. I think that's that's what that says the the, the longevity of that contract. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, also, you know, I tend to look at contracts a little less these days. You know, unless a player's in within the last eighteen months. And we know it's that critical time. Okay, the club going to get rid of them, or they're going to and they're going to stay with them. Um, I, I don't tend to, 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 you know, a player can sign a four-year contract and leave the next window. That's just the nature of football now. Um, what it is for Phil Foden, you can clearly see he's delighted he's playing for City. Clearly delighted he's being mentored by David Silva. Clearly delighted his manager's Pep Guardiola. Why would he want to leave at this moment in time? Um, Looking at a few of the other youngsters, we'll we'll come on to that. But first, uh, still a very young player, um, relatively new to, to Manchester City still, although he's been around for, for a little while now, is, is Gabriel Jesus, four goals against Burton. And yes, it is only Burton, but that's surely got to be great for his confidence, hasn't it? Um, yeah, anyone that says, oh you, oh, you only scored four goals against Burton is an idiot, in my opinion. Um, I'm, listen- I just, I'm just going to throw it out there. I've never scored four goals against Burton. <laughs> there aren't many that can say they have, in all honesty. Listen, four goals at any level in the professional games, four goals. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's Burton, whether it's Manchester United, it's four goals. Um, and I think he's been unlucky. Um, I like him as a player. I think he's a fantastic talent. He's just had a Guerrero ahead of him. You know, that's it, isn't that's, it? That's, that's the bottom line. Listen, he's a fantastic talent, but when you've got Sergio Aguero, who's still probably got another couple of years left in at the top level, ahead of you you're going to come up um, come up trumps you know um, you've you just got to be patient again it's the Phil Foden situation mm. you're being mentored you, you're taking on all these tips and eventually you slip in when they when they leave um, and I think he he has to be you know patient they're playing for one you know one of the best managers of all time so far uh, in football history uh, a club that's going places um, in the centre of Manchester which is a wonderful city um, you know what more does he need at this moment in time He's been here for for two years. Um, how do you think he's he's progressing at City? I think very well. I think he's like Leon said. He's been unfortunate about who he's been who's been behind. He also he had that problem, didn't he? Where <clears throat> you know he, he, his family were were with him, and then obviously yeah, yeah. didn't get visas and had to go back to to Brazil, and then he was left on his own. And it's it suddenly, you know, for someone who's so young, you have to grow up very quickly in that situation. So I think you know dealing with that off the pitch as well as as then you know being in and out of the team with Aguero there. I think he's done very well. And I like Leon, I really like him as well. I think he, you know, I, I maybe I was a little bit 
eager when he first came onto the mm. uh, onto the scene, and I was uh, and I was talking about him looking forward to when he breaks Aguero's goal scoring record. I don't think he'll do that for City, but <clears throat> he's he's going to score a hatful. He already has scored a hatful for City. <clears throat> he's going to carry on scoring more. And listen, you don't as as if he wasn't up to it and he wasn't up to much cop, he wouldn't still be at City because Guardiola mm. knows what he wants from a striker, and clearly he does it. He presses well. He can finish, okay. He's you know he's he's not quite as reliable as Aguero is, but again he's he's still only young, yeah. so he's he's got, he's got plenty of time. Was he's it his, good. his second when he hit the post? Yeah, it was a nice finish. It was a, you know what? It, it was a really clever finish. I mean, you you he did the keeper. That, the keeper that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're in that position. He's got like three defenders around him. He's got such a tight gap to get it through. Everyone's thinking. Put it to the left. I think, and he it, just slots it to the right. You know? I think it was on his weak foot as well. I think he used his left foot for it. Listen, he's a very capable player, Gabriel Jesus. And uh, you know, if we look at last season when <clears throat> uh, Man City was were expected to continue and get the hundred points, you know, he made the difference yeah. in the end with that he goal. Um, you know, on the last day of the season. And not only that, you know, if you look at if you look at Aguero and Jesus, you look at their body shapes; they're completely different. You know, Jesus is a little bit more stringy, a little bit more lanky, a little bit more. Uh, less thick set and I remember watching <clears throat> Aguero when he was probably um, Jesus's age and he'd get the ball and it'd come in and set it out to be trying to run through the back of him and he'd be that strong he wouldn't move Jesus hasn't got that he's, he's, Aguero's all out of proportion isn't he he doesn't yeah, look right, doesn't, <laughs> not right you know, but... no he doesn't but he's strong yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's got that real low centre of gravity and, uh, and you know strong core so I think once Gabriel finishes growing because he's what 21 21, 22 now, yeah you know, he's just finishing off growing. Now he's going to build his body up and be able to let his, you know, once his bones are now developed fully as a grown man, he can now develop the muscle on top. That's going to help him deal with the hairy centre-halves in the Premier League. <laughs> well, following that 9-0 win over Burton Albion, this is what manager Pep Guardiola had to say to the press. Big congratulations to Barton for the tournament he has done because uh, at the end it was... So he beat teams from, from Premier League and... and three or four from the championship so he deserves to be here uh, we play seriously we score the first goal quickly and after you know uh, in some period the, between the first and the second one was not good we we didn't control our right side the second balls we had the problems of that and when they arrived they had a clear clear chance with 1-0 but the difference especially in the Premier League teams in the League 1 of course the quality of the players no doubt about that but especially the rhythm the when you have high, high intensity in a rhythm during 90 minutes, at the end they, they go down because the rhythm in the training session, the physicality is higher. And that's why after the third or fourth goal was, was easier. It was important to try to, to take advantage. We didn't expect to score so many goals, but it's, it's good for the terms of, okay, we are in the final. So that's nice. Is uh, After one last season, come back again in the less important trophy in the season means a lot for us for it means every single game is important and, and that's why we are satisfied to come back to Wembley How impressed were you by the way the your team relentlessly went for more and more goals because it would have been easy to kind of sit back after three or four Yeah we, we spoke about that the half time to, take, to be simple to play simple to let them run and, and try to you know to score more goals is the best way to respect the competition and to respect the opponent because if you fight zero and after that you you believe and you forget to continue you don't have respect for your opponent you don't have respect for your uh, for the competition and the best way is do what you have to do for our future and we have done
Many supporters would have expected to see Phil Foden start tonight. What was you thinking by bringing him off the bench, not starting him tonight? Because David Silva needs minutes. Because the last two weeks, three weeks was uh, injured and Kevin as well. And that's why I decided for them. But always I thought after 10, 15 minutes, second half, Phil go, go inside. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Pep Guardiola speaking to the media after that 9-0 trouncing of uh, Burton Albion in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup. Um, a lot's been made about respect following that match. Were, were City disrespectful by not slowing down after five or six? Not Leon? a chance. Sorry. Uh, yeah, exactly that. Not a chance. I mean, come on. It's a football game. It's not like uh, Burton Albion put their under-13s out. You know, these are grown men um, with a grown manager. Listen, football's about um, winning the game. And no one showboated to the point where it was ridiculous. Everyone did the job. It ended up in nine goals because City actually stayed on the metal and played the right football and, and, and you know, scored the goals that they did. I would take it as more of a personal slight as a player if my opponent eased up and said, oh, you know what, we need to give you a break. No. It's disrespect. It's more disrespectful if City if City were to get to five and go right. That's it. Game one yeah. and just keep the ball, passing yeah. it around the back four. That that's almost like you're taking the piss. Yeah. And if you carry on playing as you are at five nil, six nil, seven nil, <clears throat> as you do at nil nil, mm-hmm. then you're giving your opponent the 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 respect of playing the game properly. Yeah. And we're talking about momentum. You know, if you are you know full on hell for leather in the first half and then in the second half maybe you drop to 50% because you don't want to get any injuries or you don't want to be tired for the next game. In the next game, you're probably going to take that momentum into that game. So if you've got a big game coming up, you know, take that momentum from the last game yeah. and it's fantastic at the minute. Um, we asked Twitter uh, for your opinions on on which is, is more disrespectful, continuing to, to push for more goals in a match after scoring five, six or seven or... Making changes, including youth players, because you're playing lower league opposition and are not really taking the competition too seriously. Thirty-four percent said that continuing to score was uh, the more disrespectful. Uh, a whopping sixty-six percent of majority said making too many changes was perceived as the more disrespectful. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see what that thirty-four percent, if their team was was five nil up at half time and a poll went round the ground it'd be interesting to see if those 34% were like oh no let's stop scoring goals yeah come on I, I think the other thing as well like about paying respect to the competition City are in a lose-lose situation here if they put out a, a team that was full of five or six youth players then you know he names the first team for the mm-hmm. final yeah. All of a sudden, the, the the attention is well. Pep Guardiola was a bit disrespectful in the semi final, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. he? Didn't he? Didn't name a strong team in that, and now they've got a good team against them. They're naming a strong team, so he can't win. I think we've just got to let managers manage the teams and uh, let um, you know the press write about it. That's it. Um, talking about youngsters, was there more room for for a couple of the younger players in in City's teams this week? Yeah. We spoke about the opportunities mm-hmm. that. That Phil Foden's getting or, or not getting, um, do you think he could have done a, a bit more to, to bring some more youth through? There's there was op, there, there was certainly the opportunity. I mean, I was surprised at how strong he went. In fairness, against Burton Albion, for instance, um, 
I think, you know, Eric Garcia is one that he's, he's played a couple of, of League Cup games. And I think the, the other side of, of playing Eric Garcia, I don't think, also, I don't think that was on the respect point to, uh, disrespectful towards Burton because he played against Leicester, who were, you know, Premier League side. Yeah. So it's not like it's a, a, an unknown change for City. Um, but I think there's, there's a situation at City where youngsters are... Certainly, when you look at someone like Diaz and Sancho, they're leaving because they're not getting first-team opportunities. And then games like this come along, and I know Guardiola says, oh, I've had players injured and I need to give them minutes back on the pitch, that sort of thing, and he's absolutely right, he does. But he also needs to take into consideration the players that, that are going to be there coming through the academy and, and, and that sort of thing. So it, it's a very, very difficult balancing act. And you know, Pelle, we, we slammed Pellegrini a few years ago. He went on to win the Cup the year that everyone said he should have played some more youngsters against uh, Sunderland in the first mm. round and, and this sort of thing. And... I, I just I maybe would have liked to have seen a couple more youngsters on the bench with the yeah. ability to bring them on. It's a it's a fine balance, isn't it, Leon? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'd said last season I'd been critical and said, look, why are you not giving these guys a go? Now I understand where he's going with it this year. He's put that game that tie effectively out of sight, and now he's got a free swing. Now people are going to say, oh, you're disrespectful by putting a, a load of kids out because you're nine a lot up. Listen, just just get on with the game. <laughs> disrespectful to who who's who's offended I'd be offended at getting beat 9-0 because I got beat 9-0 not because the opponents decided they were going to score a lot more goals than five it's ridiculous um, since the last show it's all sort of kicked off a little bit with talk of, of growing the grass for the match against Liverpool <laughs> just want to get your opinions on that very very quickly it's nonsense this isn't it um, listen I, you know what I'm I'm fully aware of home advantage and mm. you know it goes on yeah. in football. It still goes on. I can tell you a great story about Fulham and mm. Oldham this weekend. Yeah. Where they, they make it... uh, the, the changing rooms were like a sauna for the mm. away team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. It does go on. It goes on. But the, they make, but the, the criticism but growing of the grass. The, grass, the criticism really? of the grass, though, it, like, it makes it sound like the Liverpool players were needing machetes in the corner to get you know, <laughs> listen, to, to, to dig their way through. It's listen, nonsense. First it? of all, before that game, I, th- I couldn't believe, couldn't believe the pessimism of Manchester City fans. Some of my friends who I'd spoken to about the game was like, oh, you go in the game? And they were like, yeah, what do you think? Oh, I don't fancy us tonight. Oh, that, was, that was all of us in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on with you people? You've got one of the best sides in history and you, you're worrying about playing against a good Liverpool side, you know? If only we'd known we needed to grow the grass a bit more to, to just... <laughs> thank God, Listen. yeah, thank God we grew the grass and the the, the, the lines were, were a bit thicker. thicker than normal. Yeah, yeah. The funniest thing with the lines, though, is I said this at the time, if that line that, that uh, where the goal didn't go in at uh, the north stand end was actually thicker. Make Sane's finish even better because yeah, he scored exactly, at that end. Exactly. No, listen, come on. Uh, you know, I think someone's pulling our leg there um, with regards to the grass. Um, the, the ball rolled just fine for both teams. It was actually, I really enjoyed the game, really enjoyed the intensity of it, really enjoyed the fact that it was effectively a title game, um, the two top teams in the, in the table, going at it, playing good football, and it was, it was 100 mile an hour the whole time. I really enjoyed it, so I'm not sure what anyone's talking about with regards to the grass. It'd have been 120 miles an hour if they'd moan it properly, though, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, time to move on from the grass before we get uh, a, a nasty email from the, the ground staff at the Etihad. <laughs> uh, after his first two home goals this week, Phil Foden has been in the spotlight once again. Uh, we've already mentioned him, but it is hard to deny that City fans are getting excited about the youngsters' progress, and there's a real chance that he'll be the one to break through from the academy to become the poster boy for the CFA as the local boy who came good. David Mooney has been looking at his big milestones in his so far fleeting career at the Etihad.
was in the December of Pep Guardiola's first season when City fans first heard about Phil Foden. Then 16, the midfielder was named on the bench for the side's one-all draw with Celtic in the Champions League, though he didn't get onto the pitch. His big break came at the beginning of the next season. Foden started and impressed as City lost to United in their pre-season tour of the USA. Guardiola was glowing in his praise of the youngster. You are the lucky guys, believe me. You are the guys who saw the first game in the first team for Manchester City for this, this guy. So long time ago I didn't see something like today I saw. Foden went on to impress in the rest of pre-season two, but his next big achievement came with the national team. He scored goals three and five of England's 5-2 win over Spain in the under-17s World Cup final. He spoke to reporters after the match. It's massive, like you can tell by everyone watching the back at home how big it is. Yeah, so we're really like thankful for all the messages and we brought the trophy on for everyone. I believe that everyone can push through the ranks. He's got a lot of quality in the team, everyone even on the bench, everyone. So I think we just need to believe and just prove that we can all make it. His rise continued when back at City. A month after winning the Under-17s World Cup, he made his City debut, coming off the bench in a 1-0 win over Feyenoord in the Champions League. Speaking on BT Sports, former City defender Richard Dunn was mightily impressed by Foden's cameo. It's amazing, I mean, there's been so much talk about him from... I suppose the pressure's being building on him, but it was good today because every time he didn't have the ball, he was looking, he was in space all the time, and that's what he was looking for. He was looking for the areas on the pitch where he could get it. While Foden himself explained to City TV what it meant to get on the pitch. It meant everything. I've waited so long for this opportunity, and it finally came. It meant everything to me. I know that you always like to speak to your parents after you've played in a game. Have you called your mum yet or is she here? Well, there's no service in the changing room, so <laughs> got to wait for that. <laughs> Foden continued into uncharted territory as Christmas approached. He made his first start for the club in a 2-1 loss at Shakhtar in the final Champions League group game before making his first appearance in the Premier League 10 days later. He came off the bench in a 4-1 win over Tottenham. Former City striker Craig Bellamy spoke recently to Sky Sports about why the youngster shouldn't be rushed into the first team. I look at his frame as well. I don't think it'd be great for him to play week in, week out mm. at this present moment. His body's developing. Mm. You can see of his build. Mm. He's a talented footballer and he can get away with it now. Imagine how, how good he could become. So at times, you've got to let his body develop as well. If he plays too much now, like we've seen with so many young players who are still growing, then injuries can occur, then gradually bringing him in gradually learning off some of the best players in the world will improve his development. Foden kept coming off the bench last season as City went on to lift the title with a record number of points and goals. The teenager became the youngest ever player to earn a Premier League medal as well. When he started the Community Shield the following August, there were clear signs of how much he'd progressed. Foden looked at home in the Champions team amid discussion about whether he should leave City to get more game time like his former teammate Jadon Sancho. Ex-City boss Stuart Pearce spoke to Sky Sports. I don't think you can take one youngster and say, well, Sancho's taken that route. All of them should go to no. Germany or Spain, wherever it may be. It was right for Sancho to do that, and I think it's worked well for him. Foden is certainly loved by his manager. You can tell the affection. I can see him, you know, taking over from Silver or whoever he takes over in a year yeah. or, or whatever. And he's going to be a world star, there's no doubt. He's unfazed now by going on. He started the Community Shield and never yeah, looked yeah. out of place once when he's worn a City shirt. Foden went on to add more achievements to his name this season. There was a grandstand finish to the League Cup tie at Oxford where the 18-year-old scored his first goal for the club to make it 3-0. He gave his reaction to City TV. Still haven't fully sank in, but obviously I'm very happy to get my first goal for City. Yeah, I've dreamed about this moment as a kid, um, scoring my first goal for club I've supported since young and um, today I've, it's actually come true and 
yeah, like I said, I'm really happy and hopefully I can get more. Though fans were still getting frustrated that Foden wasn't getting much time on the field. After a home win over Fulham, Guardiola admitted he was too. I feel guilty. He deserves to play every game. He doesn't play the last game, but he's going to play a lot of games this season. I feel it. So today the guys after the game were so exhausted, tired. So before one game a week, now we start every three, four days, game, game, games. He's going to play. So I like a lot Phil. Every time he plays, he plays so good, so well, so he's going to play minutes. Despite progress to the first team seeming to slow down, Foden appears to have the full trust of the manager and his coaching staff. Guardiola was delighted when the youngster signed a new contract to commit his future to the club. I never had, I don't have, and I think I will never have doubts about the quality of that guy. He's able to play with us, it doesn't matter where. But it's not just the quality he has with the ball, it's the way he fought. He is, looks like skinny, looks like not strong, but he's really, really strong. And arriving the byline, cross, shoots, is um, an outstanding, outstanding young player. He's a huge talent. I think England has a diamond. When Foden scored City second in Sunday's FA Cup tie with Rotherham, the roof came off the Etihad. It might not have been the tidiest of finishes, but it was the teenager's first at home, and a moment everyone had been waiting to see. After that game, the manager rubbished the idea that he'd go out alone to get more first-team minutes. Is he falling alone? No Spoke way. about obviously the game time, but... No way. He's going to stay with us many, many years. Impossible. And after his first home goal on Sunday, fans will be hoping to see even more of Foden in the second half of the season. We'll leave the final word on this feature to him about what he wants to achieve in his career. Stay here all my life, that's what I'm going to try, and that's what I want to do. Hi, this is Nader Manuha, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. David Mooney looking at Phil Foden's milestones for, for City so far. Time to move on. And uh, there is a big match coming up on Monday in the Premier League. Manchester City taking on Wolves at the Etihad. It is a crucial week as we turn our attention back to the Premier League to preview the upcoming match against the Midland side. We're delighted to say we're now also joined by Dave Azapardi from Talking Wolves. How are you doing, Dave? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Cheers for having me on, guys. No worries. Just uh, give us a, a a little bit of an insight for us, Dave. What is the, the mood like at, at Wolves so far this season? It's fairly positive. I mean, for a newly promoted side to be you know quite comfortably in the top 10 at the moment. Obviously, there were lots of talk about Wolves being a side to watch out for. Uh, with the players that we'd brought in and so on. Uh, but for us to actually be like sort of doing well in reality, obviously we can spend all this money and you can have all this talk similar to what Fulham have done. You know, Fulham have spent a lot more money than we have and they're really struggling. So I'm very grateful for who we've brought in and how we've done. So the mood is very positive at Molyneux between all the fans and all the players. So so far, so good. Um, so yeah, really good start to the season. Who's been the, the the key man for you when you when you know when you you talk about these new transfers? Um, it, it's a strange one, really, because we haven't really got anyone that's like a prolific goal scorer at the moment. So there's no one that you can ever. Basically, every week you you someone else can score. Uh, mm. It's one of those really. But out of the new players, obviously, there's Jao Martinho who just added so much experience to this team and. It's crazy to think sort of this time last year that we'd ever have someone of his sort of calibre and experience in our squad. Um, he's been a very, very good player. 
Um, Raul Jimenez as well, who we've brought in on loan from Benfica. He's our forward, our main striker. Although he's not scoring you know, a goal every game, he's still contributing a lot. So out of all the players that we've brought in, there's not really been anyone particularly that has been a bad signing. You mentioned uh, Jimenez there, who's the, the leading scorer. Also, Neves is a, a key playmaker for you. What do you think's made them so dangerous this season? What is it about them? It's difficult to say because I think the, our play style at times is just so unique and that's why it did so well in the championship. Um, this season, as such, it's quite funny when there's a lot of reports and, and whenever I look, sort of listen to a podcast or watch videos, everyone always says that Neves, Neves, Neves is like the, the key guy or, or someone because I suppose it's because he's so young still, but he's actually been at times underperforming a lot for Wolves this season. But... I think the key for our tactic and how we play is always the two central midfielders. Um, so when João Martini and Ruben Neves are getting room and they're on their game, that's when Wolves really start playing good football. So I'd say those two on their day are the, are the whole reason that Wolves start getting wins and start playing good football, really. Leon, we've, we've heard uh, Dave talk about some of their, their key players and some, some big names as well when mm. you look at the uh, you know the history that some of those players have got in football. Mm. How do you think they're, they're going to cope when they, you know, they come to the Etihad? Um, I think they'll do OK. They seem to have um, done OK against the, the you know, stronger sides in the Premier League this season. I think where they've struggled is teams sort of on their level and below. Um, so I don't think it will be um, you know, a, a, a trouncing by any stretch of imagination. I can't see anything but a City win. But Wolves are giving a great account of themselves when they're playing the top teams in the Premier League so far. They've beat Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Dave, how are you feeling coming to the Etihad to take on City? <laughs> well, it's a strange one. Obviously, you've said there, you mentioned a few of the teams that we've beaten. Um, we came obviously after the after, well, we went and beat Spurs after they'd started scoring five or six goals past a few different Premier League teams. So none of us were really positive uh, about that, and obviously we came out with a three-one win at Wembley. So it's sort of the same case for you guys with the amount of goals that you've scored in the last two games, albeit against obviously sort of football league sides, but it still really doesn't make a difference. So. I've always been very positive against, uh, about Wolves and our record against the top six has been very, very positive. So it's going to go one of two ways. I think either City are going to be the first <laughs> big team to come and turn up against us or we may hold them again to a similar game to at Molyneux when we got a 1-1 draw. Well, our, our resident pessimist, David Mooney, is, Hi, yeah. uh, is here with us. <laughs> David, how are you feeling ahead of the, the match against Wolves? Oh, not good. Not good at all. I mean, in all seriousness, like it's a funny one this game because where City's season is at at the minute, you know, they're four points off the top of the table. They've just had that massive result in in beating Liverpool. This is the game where they they now have to kick on and 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 get on with the season. And I think, kind of unfortunately for Wolves, whoever City came up against in this game, they have, City have to win it because they, if they don't, then. They've just done undone all that hard work that they got through against uh, against Liverpool that Thursday night. So they're in a position now where they, they, they have to put in a performance. Wolves will give them a test. Don't get me wrong about that. You look at the game at Molyneux. OK, you know the, you can argue all you want about the ball being punched into the net and it be, you know, being offside and, and the build-up and whatnot. But Wolves were still creating chances be, uh, beside that as well as City. So I think you, you look at, at, at how tough City had it that, after, at that afternoon... I don't think City are going to get it easy at the Etihad, and I think it's down to them now to actually go, well, you know what, we've got to get 
the ball going and we've got to get playing and we've we've actually got to, to, to just get the job done however we do it. We've spoken quite a lot on this episode of the podcast about confidence, about momentum, particularly from cup competitions. Dave, obviously, Wolves had a great result against Liverpool in the FA Cup. What do you think that result will do going into this game at the Etihad? Well, of course, having any sort of victory in the FA Cup is always a good boost to, to any team, but especially when we beat... Liverpool, you know, you can argue whether you you think it was a, a strong side or or their reserves, as a few papers have, have labelled it. But yeah, it's it's always going to give a big boost, and we even made changes ourselves. You know, Nuno brought in three or four players that haven't really had much game time, so for them as well, it's going to be a massive boost. So I'm hoping that we could come into this game. Um, I'm hoping that the FA Cup win can give us a little bit of a boost because us as fans, we were ecstatic about that victory. And, you know, this season is probably arguably one of the the, the best chances Wolves are going to have to to come close to winning the FA Cup. So, you know, with some of the big teams already out, obviously there's still the likes of City and so on still in it. But, you know, it's a big boost to Wolves. We're doing well in the league. So, yeah, the, the, the morale is high in, in the camp. So everyone's happy at the moment. David, it's David. Can I just ask you about the goalkeeper? Just because, uh, obviously, he put in a, a great performance against City at Molyneux earlier this season. And, uh, you know, he's, he seems like a bit of a coup signing for Wolves. How's he How's he been doing? Yeah, um, obviously, Patricio, he'd, he'd always been uh, touted as quite a high-profile player and a, a, such a good goalkeeper in Europe, um, obviously, for Portugal and so on. Um He's he's doing well. There's there's some suspect sometimes over his kicking and his distribution. But as a shot stopper, I mean, even against City, he made one or two fantastic saves. As a shot stopper, he's very very good. Um, obviously, at his backup is John Ruddy, who put in a very good performance against Liverpool as well. So there are one or two fans wondering uh, if there's going to be a decision to be made. But yeah, Patricio has been a good signing. Um, uh, we, we initially thought he was signing on a free, but it came. In the end, we had to pay sort of an 18 million compensation for him. But for that, for a top-class goalkeeper in any division, that's that's the money you're going to have to pay now. So, yeah, he's been a very, very good addition to our squad. City have been pretty relentless and unforgiving in these these past two games in the, the cup competitions. Going back to the, the Premier League, Leon, could this match against Wolves set the tone for the, the rest of City season? It's going to be tough, but... If they are to chase down Liverpool, then they need to start being relentless in the Premier League against teams like Wolves, don't they? Hundred <clears throat> percent. I think um, Guardiola and the and the team have already set the tone. They set that tone when they beat Liverpool two one. Um, that's that's the standard. You know, that's what they'll be looking for every game now, um, and also taking it game by game. So Wolves is the next one. They'll be focused on that. They won't be looking too far ahead at, at games, too far in the distance. Um, but. You know they'll be looking to just ride the momentum, ride the wave at the moment that they're on, um, and and try to catch Liverpool as quickly as possible, um, and and overtake them um, when they can. Well, it is time to move on. It is predictions time, gentlemen. We've raised five hundred and eighty pounds for the Christie Cant Hospital in Manchester so far on this season's charity bet. William Hill is giving each of our panel a ten pound correct score single on City's matches, and it is Wolves up next. So, uh, David, we're going to go for for your prediction first. What are you going for, Moons? I've uh, I've said three one City, although I'm not entirely that confident about it. But you know. Seems a solid bet that both teams will score at least. <laughs> uh, 3-1 is 9-1 with William Hill, which means £90 could be added to the pot. Leon, what are you going for? I've gone for 2-0 City. 2-0 is 5-1, yeah. so that could add a nice 50 quid into the uh, the pot as well. Uh, Dave, 
from Talking Wolves. What is your prediction? Uh, I've got I've got to back our team, especially as the other two lads have gone for a City win. I'll um I'll go one one draw. Feeling confident, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Full confidence would be a win, wouldn't it? Uh, well, listen, Dave. For the for the purpose of of charity. I hope you're spot on because one one is twelve to one with William Hill, which means a hundred a hundred and twenty pounds could be going into the pot. Remember, you've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change. For more information on responsible gambling, visit begamblerware.org. Well, hopefully it all comes off for charity. Um if not, and it is one all, then there's there's something to at least there's some money in there. Isn't yeah, there? at least there's some money in <laughs> there. Very nice. Uh, once again, from from Talking Wolves, Dave, as a party, thank you very much for joining us. No problem, lads. Thanks for having me on. And uh, and fingers crossed, it doesn't quite go your way on on Monday night. <laughs> but all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you. All Cheers, best, lads. Mate. Time to move on. And City's nine nil win over Burton Albion is their record high scoring game since moving to the Etihad Stadium. Before that, the team had never scored more than seven in a match. It's now confession time. We thought it'd be quite nice to look back at all of those games, not expecting City to smash the record on Wednesday night. We also thought it would be even funnier to get our reporter John Chubb to do it because we knew that one of the games was a battering of Sheffield Wednesday and John is a big Wednesday fan. Uh, But that joke backfired when Kyle Walker hit City's eighth and then Riyad Mahrez netted City's ninth in midweek. Anyway, here's John looking at the times when City equalled their previous best scores at the Etihad. The first time City put seven goals past the team at Eastlands was pretty soon after moving there from Main Road. It was in the League Cup tie under Kevin Keegan where Barnsley made the short trip over from Yorkshire and left with a 7-1 battering. That was in 2004 and it took almost a decade for the team to score that many again. It came in Manuel Pellegrini's debut season as City put seven past Norwich. Really was a, a very, very good game. Uh, we played really well, we, we moved the ball quickly, we we were, we were always pressing in every part of, of the pitch, so we did a completely, completely match of 90 minutes and not uh, playing depending on the, the score. I think that the team played exactly the same the, the 90 minutes. That was a record Premier League win for City and a record that still stands today. There were seven different scorers, though two were later credited as own goals. Yaya Toure scored a free kick. He spoke to City TV. Please, and uh, I think I'm very, very happy for the team, you know, because we have a, a terrific performance today, you know. Full credit to, the, to our last, you know, because we deserve it. We show, we show we are the, we are home, and uh, as well the fans was uh, unbelievable and uh, very happy for the for the trip. Matija Nastasic had his goal taken off him. This was before he was told the bad news. I'm uh, very happy for because I scored my first goal in the City shirt, and uh, I will try to score a lot of goals in uh, in the future. You know, we play uh, short ball. Uh, we are not uh, other. Like other teams, uh, we like to play and uh, we, we don't score a lot of goals from the, from the corner. This is first goal and we must continue like that. Pellegrini was in charge for the next 7-0 too. It was back in the League Cup as Sheffield Wednesday came to the Etihad. Edin Dzeko was pleased with the display. Finally, uh, I haven't scored in, uh, in the first few games and uh, those are my, my first, first goals in this season. And, uh, 
you have to start somewhere so i hope uh, many more to come we haven't won for like i don't know three or four games in a row so also like for my goals you have to start somewhere with the wins so we won today and uh, we want to keep going uh, in the next games it had actually been nil nil at half time so city stepped it up after the break the manager just said uh, just keep going and uh, be secure at the back the goals will come Lampard scored too. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, uh, I'm also happy for the for Pozo that he uh, scored uh, on his uh, on his debut as well. So it was uh, in total good game. It wasn't for another three years that City managed seven in a game again. Once more, it came at the Etihad, where Stoke were dispatched seven-two. As Pep Guardiola's incarnation of the team went on to be the Premier League champions with a record goals and points tally. Ex-City boss and then Stoke manager Mark Hughes felt there was nothing that could have been done to stop one particular player that afternoon. They've got genuine world-class players within their ranks. Kevin De Bruyne is head and shoulders above any player in the, in the Premier League, in my view, given the, the level of performance and the way he can, he can dictate and affect the game. Um, players like De Bruyne see those situations and then they just grab the initiative and and say this isn't acceptable and, and they take the game away from you by, by the quality of their play. Guardiola agreed with his opposite number but had praise for elsewhere in the team too. We saw since the beginning the team was there. David in the beginning was the best game. I think David I ever played in the last two or three weeks with us. Today was dynamic. It was He moves in a position so difficult to control for the opponents. But everybody, everybody was in a, in a good performance. You cannot score seven goals when, when all the team all the team is not good. So our build-up with Dino, John and Nico was fluently, was good. Our wingers make a good movement, running behind, so we make a good performance. That was the last time City hit seven before Sunday's win. After beating Rotherham, Guardiola admitted he needed to make changes to keep his team fresh, but that he picked a strong lineup because he wanted to take the FA Cup seriously. We do what we have to do to become a, a great, great club. Like, the great clubs don't choose competitions, don't choose games, so every game have to do your job. And we did it amazingly again. And everybody was was really, really good. Start from Kyle and finish for the Raheem. City are yet to score more than seven in a match since they moved to the Etihad in 2003. The question remains, could they do better than seven under Guardiola's management in the near future? Hi, I'm Fabian Delph, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You've made it this far, so don't give up now. And the answer to that question is obviously yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've come to the final part of this week's episode of the Blue Moon Pod- Podcast. It is all about you, though. It is Ask the Panel. You get your questions in uh, to our guests you can tweet us at blue moon podcast or you can email through the website bluemoonpodcast.com get them done now for next week's episode the first question today comes from ryan spear who's emailed in why are pundits like jamie carragher so obsessed with counting empty seats at the etihad and no other clubs it's it's weird, isn't it? I mean, the obsession that other teams fans have with with city's empty seats is very weird Am I, am I not wrong in thinking that? No. Well, no, you guys, you, you're new to it, aren't you? Because you haven't <laughs> been hated before. Yeah, Everyone's starting to hate you because you're so good. So anything you do, any little slight against you, is, is you know, it's going to be amplified. Um, Jamie Carragher is also Liverpool. 
um, and you're going up against them at the minute. So I expect mm. a few more little digs <laughs> a few little from digs. Jamie, Jamie Carragher from uh, ahead of you guys. What annoys me about it is I'm not going to sit here and like looking in the context of Carragher's dig. He was having a dig, but somebody had, had a dig at him. He was having a dig back. It's fair enough. The bigger picture is that there are empty seats at pretty much every Premier League ground, barring one or two, barring probably United and you know the odd one at Anfield, maybe. Generally, empty seats, there's a link to ticket prices. And mm. if ticket prices are at a level where people can't afford to, to keep shelling out every week for, for games that are often on the telly, often you can cover that you can you know see them elsewhere, then... Why don't why do people choose not to go to games? And the answer is because it's quite costly and it's quite expensive. So, I I always I always have a little kind of nagging doubt in the back of my mind what the motivation is behind the empty seat sort of banter. For me, um, I think you have to look at football as an entertainment business, which it is. And at the moment, are you get it? All right, when you're scoring nine goals, you you know there's a strong argument for you getting your value for money. But in terms of an an entertainment perspective, rolling over a League One side in a in a cup match is that exactly entertaining? But this is it. As whereas, well. if you're going to choose to pay a, for a ticket, do you do you want to get one for City against Liverpool and, and that Thursday night, or City yeah. against Burton? And don't get me wrong, I know the tickets against Burton were a lot cheaper, but it's a midweek and it's a you know kids are in school the next day, and there's mm. there's all these other factors that that come into play other than just oh well you know there's fifty odd thousand seats there why isn't every single one of them full? It's very weird to be obsessed with that. I think yeah I think the obsession is just coming from success. There isn't um, a club in this country that doesn't have empty seats at the ground every so every now and then. In fact, I think I saw that dig and someone actually posted beneath it that the fact that the average attendance at City has been higher than it has been at Liverpool. Um, over the past two seasons, I think. So uh, it's a stigma that's going to stick with you for a while because it happens. Um, it's just a little bit of the ribbon you've got to take from the fans because you're doing so well. If that's all they can say about City, then yeah. you know Yeah, I'm, you're doing all right. Yeah, it is a, a little bit of a, a strange one and, and no doubt we're probably going to see some more empty seats as the season goes on. And uh, At least it's not circling them for a, for a <laughs> for certain <laughs> newspaper article. Or Mine was empty on, uh, thing. on Wednesday night. I wasn't there, so... Fair enough. You're totally your choice, exactly, David. Exactly. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Uh, next comes from Jonathan Shaw, who's emailed in. Should fans who book European away trips through the club's own partner be given priority for tickets over other fans? Um, it's a complicated one, isn't it, this? Uh, it comes off the back of, of uh, the minutes from that, that City Matters meeting that happened. And, I mean, I, I was reading one of the discussions uh, was about away ticket allocations and how you can make it fairer for, for, for people who don't have ticket points. And um, I, one of the agreements by the fan representatives, I've got it written written down here, um, it, it says the fan representatives agree with the club's proposal to, to guarantee a ticket for away fixtures for fans who choose to travel through the Thomas Cook Sports Scheme. Uh, the club's official match day travel partner. It's hoped this will make it easier for people to book travel and take time off work as well as ensure that ticket allocation of full utilised priority will give, be given to season card holders. Kind of strip that back, and what that says is buy through the club's travel scheme and you know, you're know you more like... You're, you're, it should be easier to get a ticket. And my answer to that is if the problem is with ticket points then you need to fix the ticket points system. You can't yeah. just you can't just put in a way to make it easier for other people to get tickets. Mm. And that's what doesn't sit quite right with me on this. 
See, this is the this is you know one of the fall downs of being successful as you guys have been recently is that with it come decisions to make and there's demand, isn't and, it? And there's demand now, you know, that where there might not have been before. So um, you're gonna have teething problems. You know, every club has it. Um, you just gotta, you know, what what's important is the club has to stick to its principles, which has mm. been, you know, to look after fans. Um, because everything else is, is being looked after, you know, the, the area in Eastlands and the training ground, the players and, and want for nothing, the manager wants for nothing. Um, and that has to be, you know, conveyed to the fans because, you know, fans pay the money every week. They'll travel all around the country and all around Europe to go and follow the team. They need to be looked after, definitely. I think I also need to say with a caveat of this is I'm not the target market for this. I've, 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 I don't go to European away games, mm. so I'm, I'm not kind of in all of that. In fact, the last European away game I went to was TNS in 2003, wow. and even then that was still in it was still in Wales, so it doesn't yeah. really count, does it? <laughs> um, that the, was it the um, Millennium Stadium? Millennium Stadium, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really count. But you know, if I was going to to a, a city European away game, I know you've done you've done a few, Sam. Mm. I've watched you sit on the train and book tickets for for planes and and yeah, sort out yeah, flights. Yeah, that and was stuff. Uh, that was a fun trip, wasn't it? And there are times when, yeah, it might be a lot easier to go. Yep, I'll buy a ticket through the through this scheme, and it means that I'll be guaranteed a flight. I'll, I don't know if there's accommodation with it and that sort of thing. I don't have to sort any of that out. But undoubtedly, it's much more expensive to do that than it is to just go. I'm going to get a budget airline, a budget hotel, and sort my own match ticket out and do everything independently and then you have to ask the question who's benefiting from this who benefits from people using the club's own system well it's thomas cook and it's the club so you then become a bit cynical and say well why are they pushing people towards that one if you if you if you know that demand is such that people who are going on that scheme will are using that scheme are more likely to get tickets than than people who are trying to buy separately if you're a bit up and down about which one you're going to go for and you desperately want to go to the game, you go for the one where you're more likely to, aren't you? Mm. So that's what worries me about the situation. I think what you have to appreciate as well, on the flip side, when you look at this, um, if you book with the official travel partner, you are guaranteed a ticket. For those that aren't necessarily available to get a ticket... This is a chance for those people yeah. to get a ticket, and that's the mm. that's the point with the ticket points. If if the ticket points are the problem, that's not the solution to mm. it. Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I, it doesn't really appeal to me to to use the official travel because it's a certain time. This is what you you're going to be doing. This is where you've got to be. And you it wouldn't stay to be, in a NATO base it, if it, you did that. Would exactly. You? <laughs> yeah, it tends to be a um, you know a day trip sort of thing anyway. And you know, when I go to a European away match, I like to make a bit of a few days of it. Like to have a great time with friends, uh, meet up with people over there that are, are you know, going separately as well. Um, and it, and it it tends to be a you know planes, trains, and automobiles. You yeah. know, we, and this, and this... a number of times we've we've travelled down to Stansted Airport to to fly from Stansted to to go to a City European game because the flights are 10 times cheaper. Yeah. There's been an occasion where we've missed a flight <laughs> travelling down to Stansted because we were a little bit late going to Bayern Munich. So yeah. we ended up in Bruges. Mm. You know, we, we just carried on driving. Um, and that was an experience. And from Munich and missed. <laughs> and, you know, if I was booked on the official travel, all right, I'd have been in Munich, but I wouldn't have had a great time in Bruges. Mm. <laughs> but the, but <laughs> so, the point, this, this system, while it might make it easier for people who, who don't have the points to get tickets, it, it stops that. And that's that, yeah. that's you, what concerns you, you, me. You can't please everybody, can you? Correct. You know, um, there's uh, no, there's never going to be a solution that everybody's happy with. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm 
still a wimp and scared of flying, so I'm not uh, <laughs> probably won't give it a try. Although you did enjoy a trip to Holland, didn't you? Recently, I relatively recently. Might have written that in a book. I don't know if anybody's uh, <laughs> anybody's mentioned that. <laughs> that but, he wrote uh, from the boat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before he he plugs even more, like he needs any excuse. Unfortunately, that is it for this week's Blue Moon podcast. But never fear, if you want some more, we're talking about some of City's biggest wins on our Patreon bonus show. You can have a listen if you back two dollars a month on Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon podcast for you two dollars you'll get four or five bonus shows each are about 10 to 20 minutes in length and you'll get regular blogs by richard burns and david mooney everything pledged goes towards the show's running costs and it also helps to keep us producing the show as we do so please do help out thank you very much for listening thank you to our patron subscribers and and once again a big thank you to our two studio guests david mooney thank you and the ever brilliant leon that was the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast